And so welcome each and every one of you. And uh, we are going to today talk about healing. God still heals today. How many believe that? I do. Why? Because God hasn't changed. Amen? And so we believe that divine healing is an important part of the gospel, is part of the good news that Jesus commissioned his disciples to proclaim. So if you brought your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, looking at verses 1 through 8. Matthew 10, 1 through 8. So he, speaking of Jesus, called his 12 disciples to him. Let me pause right there. The greatest ministry you and I have is our ministry to him, being with him, being in his presence. That, is, that needs to take precedence over anything else. But he called them to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles, and I'll skip through this, but go fast. We have Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon, the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. In verse 5 says, are these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any of the town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel and as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Verse 8, it says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We are to do what? Go and preach this message. Healing, deliverance. God's setting people free. Once again, God is still doing that today. We had last week the Home of Hope from Teen Challenge out of Casa Grande here last week, and we heard the testimonies of how even today Jesus is still setting people free. Amen? So it's powerful. Now, of all the doctrines in the Bible, uh, the doctrine of divine healing is perhaps the most questioned and misunderstood by young and old alike. There are often questions that arise when healing doesn't take place after prayer has been offered, or if healing does take place, it may occur after a long period of time, and then it's attributed to the natural body healing process. In other words, God has designed us. If you injure yourself, depends on the injury and how severe the injury, but if you cut yourself, for example, that cut is eventually going to heal. Uh, I, I can't, I, every time I do a project, be it landscaping or something in the garage, I always hurt myself and I get, I get band-aids out and I always, uh, whatever, but, but I, I can tell you that usually those wounds heal. I lost years ago, I stubbed my big toe and it went black and blue and lost the toenail, but the toenail, a year later, the toenail came back, amen, not that it had to, but, but our bodies, God's designed our bodies to, to heal ourselves if something happens. And so sometimes when, when, when the healing might be prolonged, we say, well, that wasn't God, that was just my body healing myself. But God designed us for that purpose as well. And so what I'm saying is divine healing is usually not acknowledged unless an immediate miraculous recovery takes place. So that, that's kind of a misnomer, but, but keep that in mind as we go through it. So really my purpose 
this morning is twofold. Number one, the first purpose is that we understand what God's word, the Bible, has to say in regard to healing. The second purpose is really to mobilize you and me and this church to do what is biblical, and that is to pray for one another to build your faith so healing will take place. Because we are told in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as you're hearing the word of God this morning, hopefully faith will rise up in your heart, in your spirit, and you agree with what God's word says, and we see God healing people today. And so there will be prayer at the end of service for those who need healing, but also to release this body to pray one for another. See, God, honestly, God wants you and me to have confidence and think it normal to pray for the sick and expect them to be healed. Quick question. How many of you, by show of hands, have been healed by God? Wow. I would say three-fourths plus uh, that have been healed by God. Now, there are a couple schools of thought on the topic of divine healing that I want to immediately dismiss. Number one is this. The first is this, that a Christian is never sick. How many have heard that? Maybe taught that in circles, whatever. Uh, some, some will say, well, sickness is really only a matter of mind over matter. Well, that belief is wonderful, until the day you actually become sick and uh, you get injured on the job or hurt in the job or something happens to you physically. In other words, something happens, you say, well, you know that Christians also go through stuff, as do non-Christians. Uh, I remember hearing Dan Betzer, who was back in that day preaching in Florida, Fort Myers, Florida, and, and he, was, he was having back issues. And I heard on one of his tapes he was preaching, and this has been years ago, but, but somebody in his congregation said, well, Brother Bethany, you just got to have more faith. You know, you got to be, he, they said, you got to be positive. And he says, I'm positive, my back hurts. You know, I'm po and he actually went in for surgery for that. But uh, so the first, the first thing I want to dismiss is that a Christian is never sick because Christians also get sick and have illnesses and things happen to us. The other belief is this. That if a person is a Christian, all they have to do is declare himself or herself to be healed in the name of Jesus, and it will be so. Now, that too is a wonderful belief to have until the day you find you still need to hear a hearing aid because you can't hear. Or you have to wear eyeglasses because you can't see. In other words, so why, why do we say, God, heal me of this and that? Have you ever asked God to heal your eyes? Have you ever asked God to heal your ears? Remember, God hasn't changed. Jesus was in the healing business and healed eyes to see and ears to hear. In Bible times, he can do so today. Now, how many of you saying that, how many of you uh, wear glasses? I can see them on. Or contacts, I can't see those. How many have hearing aids on? I said, how many have hearing aids on, you know? Um, so anyway, so we, we, we accept all that, and that's all fine. And so just because, once again, you're a Christian, you just can't name and claim it and whatever, uh, we'll go through that today. So what is the relationship between sickness and sin? Ultimately, 
uh, sickness and death came into the human experience because of sin. We know the story of the fall in the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden where sin and death was passed on to everyone. Romans chapter 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all have sinned. So, so we, we all have what was called, it's called a sin problem. And uh, Genesis 2.17 says, But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. All right? Uh, in, the, in, the, in the book Systematic Theology, uh, Thiessen said, and I quote, Part of the curse occasioned by the fall was the subjection of the human body to the ravages of disease and eventual physical death. And so understand that death is a curse, a concept clearly taught in Scripture, Genesis 3.19, you can read it there, you know, from, from dust you are and the dust you'll return. And then James chapter 1, verse 5, uh, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Death biblically is considered a curse god also promised to deliver his people though from the curses of the egyptians diseases if they would simply serve him matter of fact exodus chapter 15 verse 26 lists four requirements that god's people were to observe what are they exodus 15 26 god said if you listen carefully number one to the voice of the lord your god so number one you gotta listen to god and then it goes on, and do, number two, and do what is right in his eyes, not in your own eyes, do what is right, what he has said is right. Three, if you pay attention to all his commands, and so we're paying attention to the word and the commands, the decrees of God, the statutes of God, and not just pay attention, but number four, and keep, and keep all his decrees. And so you're, you're obeying, basically. And then God says, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And so our God is a, is a healing God. God. God wants to bring healing to his people. Now, if we faithfully love, serve, and obey God, God is pleased to bless us and keep us in health. Now, on the flip side of that, Deuteronomy 28 58 through 61 says, If you do not carefully follow all the words of this law, which are written in this book, and do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, the Lord will send fearful plagues on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters and severe and lingering illnesses. He will bring upon you all the disease, diseases of Egypt that you have dreaded, and they will cling to you. The Lord will also bring on you every kind of sickness and disaster not recorded in this book of the law until you are destroyed. I would encourage you, read that in context and read Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 61. Now, although sickness and its eventual consequence, death, is surely a penalty for sin, we also must be careful, though, that we don't assume that all sickness and every death is the direct consequence or result of an immediate personal sin. Now, sickness is in the world because of sin, yes. But Jesus also recognized that the curse on humankind is general, afflicting people regardless of personal righteousness or sin. 
Luke chapter 13, 1 through 4 deals with that. I mean, sin may be involved as in the case of the man Jesus healed at the pool of Bethesda when Jesus warned him to stop sinning. John 5, 14. Jesus says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. So it's, it's, it's indication here that sin was involved. But on the other hand, Jesus made it very clear that the man born blind nor his parents had sinned, according to John 9, 1 through 3. He was simply indicating that in such cases, the healing was simply an opportunity to display the work of God in the blind man's life. Also keep in mind that to God, to God, it's just as easy for God to forgive you of your sins as it is for God to heal you in your body. Where do you find that? Well, Mark chapter 2. Verse 9, which is easier, Jesus said, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But, Jesus said, that you may know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Until the termination of the present order, it is the lot of humanity to suffer sickness and diseases that are in the world as a result of the penalty of the fall. What am I saying? I am simply saying we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-sick world. But there is coming a day when there'll be no more curse. Hallelujah. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. How many are looking forward to that day? Amen. Amen. Join us on Wednesdays for Revelation. We just started chapter 4 last Wednesday evening. Uh, then Revelation 23 verse 3, no longer will there be any curse. No longer Will there be any curse? Now, let's talk a little bit about, before we talk about why God heals and, and to get our healing, why do people get sick? Six reasons why people get sick. Number one, because of the devil or demonic activity. Once again, I'm not saying that every, every sickness is, is, you know, that, but, but ultimately the fall. Uh, what, is, what is Satan responsible in terms of sickness? Well, the devil himself is the author of sickness and death. God should not be, be blamed for human tragedy and misery. They are the product of the devil's work. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. That's from God. Jesus went about doing good, healing all those who are under, it says, the power of the devil. You see that Satan, the adversary, is responsible for the physical as well as the spiritual bondage in which people find themselves is strongly supported in the Bible. Uh, we have Luke 13, verse 16. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, check this out, whom Satan has bound, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. 
So Jesus is basically saying, hey, the reason why this woman has had the infirmity was Satan had her in bounds. When Peter was at the house of Cornelius, he said this concerning the ministry of Christ, Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus who went about healing all, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Healing was for those who were oppressed by the devil, number one. Number two, why do people get sick? Because of the discipline of the Lord. Now, some people are sick because they're being disciplined by God. And, and, and the word says that, hey, if, if, if God loves you, he's going, because he loves you, he's going to discipline you. And, and consider the following examples. Miriam, Numbers chapter 12, got leprosy because of her rebellion. Gehazi became a leper because of his greed, 2 Kings 5. King Herod Agrippa died because of his pride, Acts chapter 12. Also in 1 Corinthians 11, that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. The word fallen asleep there is literally died. And he says, but if we judge ourselves, we would not become under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. And so another reason, number two, the discipline of God. Number three, people get sick for the glory of God. What do you mean? Well, sometimes when a person is sick, they're sick simply because God wants to show himself strong on their behalf. In other words, God allows his people to go through things so he can demonstrate his power and his glory. And sometimes that might be even for the benefit of somebody else. You know, so with that, the blind man, once again, John 9, uh, he, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth and his disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And, and, and neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Once again, the cause was not his parents, the cause was not his personal sin, but God wanted to demonstrate his power and his glory. Even Lazarus, John 11, verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. When you and I come to Christ, we lay aside our right to know everything there is to know and, and even how God works and why God works. And, and part of that, and it's a mystery to us yet today, but part of that does include suffering and following the example of Jesus Christ in that. I, I can't explain it all yet today and probably never will this side of heaven, but I do know, and it seems to me that the more God uses somebody, the more the enemy is going to attack him and, and whatever, and, and that's just all part of it. Number four, why do people get sick? For violating God's laws, the laws of God. If you and I ignore God's dietary laws, our bodies will suffer the consequences. Years ago, and Martha, I think you'll recognize this story, and I put it in because I knew you were going to be here today. Years ago, when I was pastoring in Owine, Iowa, an evangelist by the name of David Womack, remember him? David Womack came, and he was preaching revivals, and I'll never forget something he said, and this was like 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, but it stuck with me all these, all these years. He was praying, he, remember, he, he shared this, he was praying, and he was asking God to heal him of something that was wrong, and this is what he said. God spoke to him, and he said, he said David, 
I'm not going to heal you of something that you can take care of yourself. I never forgot that. Bottom line, if we are undisciplined in our eating habits, we are likely to have serious health problems on one hand. On the other hand, I also read, and when I was reading about the Argentine revival years ago, a lady was prayed for in the Argentine revival, and she instantaneously lost 30 pounds of weight. Now, how many would like that miracle to happen? <laughs> Lord, double it for me, would you, you know? I mean, how many want to go that way, instantaneously losing 30 pounds versus praying and asking the Holy Spirit to develop in you the fruit of self-control? Ouch. Now, if I had two prayer lines, and I do this as an illustration quite often, if I had two prayer lines, rapid weight loss reduction right here, the miracles, you know, 30 pounds, gone, boom, it's done. Or if I had a prayer line over here saying we're going to pray for all those who want to grow in the fruit of the Holy Ghost called self-control, how many would be in the self-control line or the rapid weight loss line? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm simply saying we want the easy way out. And God did that for somebody. I'm not denying that. I'm affirming that. You know, God can do what God's going to do. I'm just simply saying, if we had two prayer lines, that one's probably going to be the full one, and maybe one or two really spiritual people be over here saying, I want the, the fruit of self-control. All right? Uh, so ask yourself that. What I'm saying is this. If we continue to ignore God's dietary laws, our bodies will pay the consequences. If we continue to smoke or abusive drinking or gluttony or, or laziness, it's all going to bring on sickness. To date, I have had, in the last 20-some years here now, I have had four skin cancer surgeries, and I have to watch my son, S-U-N, intake. All right, and we're in Arizona, you know, sunshine, sunshine all the time almost. So as a kid, I remember going swimming in the Hospers, Iowa swimming pool, and I was there almost every day. It was open, and my blonde hair, I had longer hair back then, and my blonde hair turned a light green because of all the chlorine. I mean, it was like, okay, just a light little tint to that, whatever. But, but I caught a lot of sun rays. But when we moved to Arizona, okay, we had our first house. We had a swimming pool. And, and I laid out, and I'm getting the sun, and I'm just as tan as tan could be. And my brother Bill one time visited and, and the first house that we're here, and I got a picture somewhere in the archives of my closet, you know, somewhere stacked in a pile somewhere. But I got a picture of Bill and myself. I am as tan as tan can be, and he is as white as white can be. And it's funny to see the contrast there. Now, here's a story, true story. Uh, back in the day, we had a senior saint in this church, and some of you might recognize, I think Albert might recognize the name, maybe the Whitbecks, uh, David Myers, remember him? David and Diane Myers. David bought me a, uh, a bottle of suntan lotion. Sunscreen, sun, that's what it was, sunscreen. And he said, Pastor Brian, you might want to, because he saw how, how tan I was and stuff, and he said, you might want to use this. I've had skin cancer surgeries. And back then, I just kind of like brushed him off. Like, yeah, right, okay. Uh, I was wrong, he was right. And I've had those surgeries, and I still go into dermatologist. I had a, I had a surgery a few years back, and, and some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, friends, um, there are consequences to our actions. And the principle that a man reaps what he sows applies in a general sense to every one of us. Now, if all I eat 
is junk food and all I drink is sodas, I will have health problems. If all you eat is Twinkies or cupcakes or Ho-Hos or Ding Dongs or Honey Buns or whatever your favorite snack is, or, or Snickers or whatever, you're going to have health problems. All right, We bring it on ourselves because we ignore God's dietary restrictions. We don't get the exercise, that kind of thing. All right, how many want, how many want me to move on? <laughs> all right. Number five, we also... This is not considered by many, but it's true. We also can get sick because of the burden of ministry. There's been a few individuals who actually became sick because of the great care and concern they had for others. Daniel, for example, after seeing the vision, I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Daniel 8.27. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. And so Daniel saw this vision and, and made a meal. Uh, Epaphroditus suffered very common uh, melody of homesickness, and the Apostle Paul didn't try to cover up the fact. Philippians chapter 2, 29 through, or 25 to 29. Uh, I can tell you in my own life, I have been personally ill because of the burden of ministry. Now, you couldn't tell by looking at me right now, but there's been times when I could not eat or sleep because of what was going on in the church. One time, I lost over 15 pounds in a couple of weeks because I couldn't eat. I had no appetite. Couldn't sleep at night. I have personally wept over people making wrong decisions. I have been burdened by people insisting on doing things their way and not God's way. And every pastor can tell you, and every pastor's wife can tell you, Sister Milton, how it burdens your heart. I have been in time, and the intercessors know this as well, in intercession, and you're praying, and you just feel overwhelmed with the burden of God. And that's all part of it. And, and I would just refer you, and read it in context, but read sometime, write down Galatians 4, 8 through 20, where Paul says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You see, this simply pictures the heartache, the pain, the yearning by which the Apostle Paul desires the salvation of those Galatians who have become alienated from Christ and have fallen away from grace. Again, it's possible to fall away from grace. We do not believe in once saved, always saved. But because of the burden of ministry, people can get ill. And I, and I have personally experienced that as well. Uh, another one, number six, is because, I would talked about this, because of the curse. And I won't spend time on that, but Genesis chapter 3, 17 through 19, because there's the curse on mankind and, and, and all people. Bottom line is this. We are all going to die on some day and in some way. It is appointed unto men once to die after this, the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27. So, reasons why people get sick. Let me quick cover, is it okay to go to a doctor? Now, some have tried to set divine healing in opposition to or in competition with the medical profession. Friends, this does not need to be so. Physicians, through their skills, have helped many over the years. I personally am thankful for those who work in the medical field. How many of you work in the medical field? Doctors, nurses, staff, raise your hands. You have, you have, you have. 
back over here, nurse, and same thing. And so I am thankful for doctors. I am thankful for nurses, especially in, the, in recent months. In the last seven months, I've had two uh, total knee replacements, and, and, and I'm still healing. I'm still getting better from that, but I'm thankful for my, my doctors, my nurses, uh, even waking up with a catheter in, and like, you gotta be thankful for all that. Uh, and, and the nurse that took it out, God bless you, just don't come to this church, okay? You <laughs> I'm just kidding, but, but uh, I'm thankful, and I thank, I thank my doctor more than once. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for, you know, for putting the skill that you have to use. And I, th I thank the nurses over the years as well, over, over, the, over the time for both surgeries. Uh, I thank the physical therapist, one having her doctorate degree for that. I am thankful for the dentist and the endodontist having had in the last month two root canals and then a crown beginning of this year. I told my dentist, thank you for being the best dentist that's out there. And I said, I think your favorite hymn, though, is crown him with many crowns. Boom. I did tell her that. I did tell her that. But I'm grateful for Dennis. I'm grateful for all that. you got to have fun. My, my goal, just a little pause here, squirrel. My goal is to make the serious doctor, you know, smile and laugh. Because they're always, you know, business. That's all good. But if I can make them laugh, I, I think I've met my, my goal for that. But anyway. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful for, for the, the, you know, all the, all the medical profession. I'm thankful for science. I'm thankful for technology that's available in the medical field today. But I also remind myself and I remind others often that all those in the medical profession are just practicing medicine. They haven't perfected it yet. The only one who has perfected it is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our healer. All right. Uh, I'm just saying, thank God for all that, but my eyes are on God. You know, my wife has had MS for 17 years now, still praying. There is no cure for MS. That means, Lord, I, I, my prayer is very simple. God, please heal my jail. Please heal my jail. And I pray that often, and I get emotional talking about that, but I've been praying that for 17 years. Why hasn't it happened yet? I don't know but I'm going to keep on praying. Let me just say this, because I felt this in my spirit as I was preparing. Uh, we're going to have prayer today. And I know many of you have been prayed for, prayed for, prayed for, prayed for, and you think, like, what's the use? This could be the day when the pool, when the, when the, in the biblical illustration, when the water's stirring in the pool. And this could be the day that God heals you. So this needs to be the day when you say, okay, one more time. I'm going to keep on being prayed for. I'm going to keep on believing. We'll talk about that more. But anyway, oftentimes when I pray for people going in for surgery, I'll pray something like, Father, I thank you for the wisdom and, and the science, the wisdom that you've given to the doctors and the staff here. I thank you for the skill, the skill set that you've given them. Surely I don't have that. I always tell doctors, man, what you guys do, God bless you. I couldn't do what you do. I hate the sight of blood. All right, a needle, I'm passing out kind of thing, you know. But, uh, but I said, God, thank you for the doctors and the medical staff, and thank you for the, all the science and technology that goes into all this. But God, our faith rests on you. You are our great physician. That's, that's how I look at that, because God is the God, as we sang about, as we read about, God is the God who heals 
our sicknesses and our diseases. And so I'm saying all that to say doctors are gifted in what they do, but the Lord Jesus Christ is our great physician. It's also true that the Bible condemns King Asa because even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians in 2 Chronicles 16, 12. You see, Asa had already sought help from Syria in an act of unbelief and disobedience, and he refused to rely on help from God. In other words, the emphasis is not that Asa consulted the, the, the physicians of that day, heathen physicians at that, but Asa refused to seek help from the Lord. And so are doctors good? Yes, they are. Go to doctors, you know, get whatever, but first go to Dr. Jesus. That's, that's my counsel, all right? Also keep in mind that physicians had an honorable place in Israel. Jeremiah 8, 22, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? And Jesus also mentioned the medicinal use of oil and wine in a favorable light in the Good Samaritan story. In Luke chapter 10, he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. And so in favorable light, Jesus talked about, you know, physicians and healing and a balm and Gilead or whatever. Uh, also keep in mind that Luke was a doctor. Dr. Luke. Luke, the beloved physician, Colossians 4.14. Uh, when the woman with the issue of blood was healed, we are told that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many physicians, many doctors. She spent all she had, and yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Interesting. For 12 years. We'll get to that story in a bit. Now, if it were wrong to go to physicians, this would have been the perfect place for Jesus to say so, but he didn't. Instead, he accepted the faith she then expressed and commended her for it. Even Isaiah 38, 21 says, Isaiah had said, prepare a poultice of figs and apply it to the boil and he will recover. And so, yes, there are remedies outside of and, and, and through doctors and physicians that are good. So let's then talk about, shift gears, talk about how to receive your healing. Number one is God's part, and then we'll talk number two, your, your part. So first of all, reasons on God's part of why God wants to heal you. Number one, because God loves you. God loves you. Because God has compassion on you. Friends, it is God's nature to heal. He is Jehovah Rapha, Exodus 15, 26. For I am the Lord who heals you. We also have Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? Verse 3, Psalm 103. Who forgives all your sins, hallelujah, and heals all your diseases. A benefit, a blessing. Why? God loves you. God loves you. If you ever question God's love, may I suggest that you settle it once and for all, knowing that God can't love you anymore and he loves you. His love was settled for you on the cross of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, it is finished. God loves you. Every one of you. It's his nature to love. He is the giver of life. The Father sent the Son that we might have life and have it more abundantly. 
God is love. It's his nature to love. God heals, first of all, because it is an act of his love. Number two, because of, Jesus, because of what Jesus Christ did for us, because of his death, his resurrection, and the atonement. Now, here's a passage that most of us have heard, Isaiah 53. 4 and 5. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But, verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And with his stripes, what Jesus Christ did when he was beaten, when he was whipped, when he was beyond recognition, with his stripes, we are healed. Now, Matthew applies this specifically to the healing ministry of Jesus Christ. For Matthew says, this is a little translation, Matthew 8, 17. He himself took away our sickness and bore away our diseases. You see, Isaiah ties this in with the saving ministry prophetically of Jesus Christ. His sufferings were for our sins, and that leads to our peace with God. And by his stripes, we are healed. Healing has come to us. Peter says, by his stripes, you you were past tense, you were healed. In other words, it's already been done in the mind of God. And so divine healing is an integral part of the gospel. Of the 3,779 verses of the four Gospels, 727 of them, one-fifth of them are devoted to the healing ministry of Jesus Christ. The ministry of Christ was a healing deliverance ministry. Divine healing was an important witness to his identity as the Messiah. And divine healing continued to be an integral part of the gospel through the ministry of the apostles and the early church. You recall that Jesus sent out the 12 and the 70 to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. After Pentecost, many wonders and signs were done by the apostle. Even Luke treats the book of Acts as an extension of what Jesus did and taught, not only through the apostles, but through a church full of the Holy Ghost. Why we must be full of the Holy Ghost. You see, miracles are not limited to the apostles or the early church. Once again, God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, we today believe that miracles are for today as well. You see, the promise of Jesus was to all believers, all who would ask in his name, that is, recognize his authority and confirming themselves to his nature and conforming themselves to his nature and his purposes. You recall that God used deacons such as Philip to preach and to heal. There was an unknown disciple, Ananias, to heal Paul, or Saul, who became Paul. Mark supports the healing in the ministry of believers. And so, why does God heal? Because God loves us, because of what Christ has done for us. And finally, why does God heal? Because of God's promises. God confirms his preached word. I'm preaching his word this morning. I'm believing God to confirm his preached word with signs and wonders following. We have John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus speaking, Verily, verily, 
I say to you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go to the Father. And then Mark 16, 15 through 20, Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Church, signs should follow us. We don't have to go chasing after signs. Amen. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Now, pause. They shall take up serpents. That does not mean that we're going to have a snake handling service. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. I'm with uh, the actor Ford in the movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that guy. I hate snakes, all right? I hate snakes. And I live in Arizona. I don't like scorpions either. But it, it means in, in, the, in the process of ministry, if that happens, shake it off like it did Paul Malta. Shake it off, you're going to be okay. I remember David Womack also shared when he was uh, ministering in Columbia one time, someone tried to poison him and kill him. And he drank whatever it was in some tea or something, and, and it never, never affected him. And the person that was supposed to be trying to kill him was amazed, like, he should be dead by now, but he's not. And he shared that story as well. But anyway, um, they, here it is. It shall not hurt them. Then they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They shall what? Lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And then... At the end of that says, and, the, and they went forth and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. God confirms his preached word. James chapter 5, another provision for healing. Is any sick among you? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil. We have vials of oil in the front pew that we're going to uh, make available to, to, to those praying today. And we want to anoint with oil. We want to pray over you. And it says he should call the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If he has sin, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Hallelujah. So God's part. Why does God heal? Number one, God loves you. He has compassion on you. Number two, because of what Christ has done, his death, his resurrection, and his atonement. And then finally, because of God's promises, God confirms his preached word. That's God's part. That's why God wants to heal you. There's a great quote from Dr. Kenneth E. Hagan. He says, if supernatural healing is not for us today, then God needs to change his name from the great I am to the great I was. Amen. Friends, God hasn't changed. He is still the great I am. Amen. That's God's part. Now, second part is our part. How can you and I receive our healing? Number one, 
We have to have faith, expectancy, number two. We have to believe it's for us today. And number three, there needs to be desire on our part, the desire to be healed. I've also talked to people over the years who don't want to be healed because they like the attention they get from being sick. Ouch, ouch, okay, but that's true. Uh, James 5, 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Faith is necessary. In Matthew 9, 22, Jesus turned and saw her take heart, daughter. He says, your faith, your faith has healed you. And then Matthew 9, 28, 29, when he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and he asked him, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And then he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? We also have Mark 11, 23 and 24. For verily, Jesus speaking, for verily I say to you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when you pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So we have incorporated in that, we have faith, we have belief, we have desire. And now, turn to Mark chapter 5 with me. I'm, I'm winding this down. We'll get to praying for people in a second. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 22. Mark 5, 22. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, notice posture, he fell at his feet. What does that mean? He humbled himself. He fell at his feet. And he pleaded earnestly with him. There was desire. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. And, and it says, so Jesus went with him. Now, we have the beginning of a miracle, but right within that miracle is going to be another miracle. And it's the woman with the issue of blood. goes on. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And it says immediately, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Well, he's asking this question because not for his benefit, but for the benefit of the lady. Who touched my clothes? You see people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and again fell at his feet, notice the posture, humility, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, daughter, verse 34, daughter, your faith, has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, 
While Jesus was still speaking, some men from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, came. And he says, your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? And I love this next, this next verse. Verse 36. Ignoring what they said. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Do what? Just believe. Sometimes you have to ignore what others are saying. Sometimes you have to ignore the doctor's report to believe the report of the Lord. Sometimes you have to ignore the naysayers and, and, and this and that. You know what I'm saying? You have to get along with God. And so ignoring what they said. So going on here. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion and people crying and wailing loudly. And he, he, he went in and said, why all this commotion and willing? The child is not dead, but asleep. They all laughed at him. And it says, after he put them all out, he doesn't want the negative things going around. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and went where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately, again, immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, Jairus got what he asked for. Why? Because he besought Jesus greatly. He pleaded with the Lord. There was some intensity there. He put some meaning into it. In other words, Jairus meant, here it is, business with God. He meant business with God. Going back to what Jesus says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Church, there needs to be a desire, an intensity, if you will. In other words, get involved emotionally with your healing. Don't let what others think hold you back ignoring what they said see what you're doing here it is laying aside temporarily the reality of your usual mindset and allowing an irrational thing something you can't explain something you can't figure out with your own brain you are allowing god to take over you're stepping out of sight and you're walking into faith one more story quickly matthew 10 excuse me, Mark 10, the story of blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bart for short. Blind Bartimaeus, Matthew 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road side begging. When he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, remember he's blind, he began to shout, not whisper, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Notice the crowd again. Many rebuked him and told them to be quiet. But what did he do? He shouted all the more. I love that. Son of David, have mercy on me. And it says in verse 49, Jesus 
stopped. Jesus stopped and said, call him. He got Jesus' attention. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing aside his, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. I mean, this is the son of God saying to blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Wow. I mean, there's an open book right there. I mean, open-ended right there. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. See, blind Bartimaeus had a need. He expressed his need to Jesus and he applied his faith. See, every miracle you'll read about in the Bible is preceded by a need. Think about it. Every miracle in the Bible, if you need a miracle today, it means you got a need. You got a need. But there's nothing too strong or too too uh, hard for God. See, what I'm saying is this. Healings happen in an emotional focused atmosphere. Therefore, I submit to you this morning, church, we need to put feelings to our faith, emotion to our motion, and fire to our desire. Why? Because God still heals today. And he wants to heal you. He hasn't changed. You see, we're going to pray in just a minute. But going back to what the word says, he, he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord who heals us. Psalm 103, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. And then these signs shall follow them that believe. How many believers are here this morning? Raise your hand. If you're a believer, follow Christ. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover or be made well. God hasn't changed. Are there any sick among you? Let them call the elders. We're going to pray over you. And one of my favorite, I did mention, is Psalm 107, verse 20. It says, He sent forth His word. He sent forth His word and He healed them. Amen. Let's today... Believe God, for God to move and for God to heal. Here's what we're going to do. In just a minute, I'm going to call those who need healing, would like healing to come, but I'm also going to call others right after that to come, and I want people praying for people. The Bible says we're to pray one for another. You know, And so there's nothing magical about me or you or whatever. We're just going to believe God. We're going to believe God's word. We're going to ask God to confirm his word with signs and wonders because his word's been shared. His word's been preached this morning. And I know that we have many of you that are in need of healing. So congregation, stand to your feet. Go ahead, Lauren or Pastor Jim, if you want to put a little music on, whatever there. And I'm going to ask uh, the, deacon, the deacon board, uh, pastoral staff, uh, anyone else, uh, just the church at large to pray. And, and once again, you let God use you today. Let God use you to be that vessel, if you will, that his power can flow through to, to bring healing where healing is needed. Because I, for one, want to see God move powerfully. Amen.
And, and we're going to see that today, believing, having faith to believe. And so if you need prayer, if you would like healing, the altar call this morning specifically is for healing. If you need salvation, I'll pray with you for that as well. But we're going to believe God today for God to heal bodies in Jesus' name. If you need healing, come, come.